Well, as we all know, Russia has invaded Ukraine and we live at the southern tip of Africa wondering what effect that has on us. Is it our war? And to help us unpack that is Chris Van Dome. He's a research fellow at the Africa program at the esteemed Chatham House. Um, hi, Chris. Hi, Linda. Good to see you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so before we dive into what it means for South Africa, this seems to be quite dire when you look at it from a European point of view. I, I've read this morning assessments that say this is the end of peace in Europe. Is that reading too much in it? Is it that bad? Is this the end of the era that we had, the peaceful era we had after the Second World War? I think in those terms, what we're seeing in, in that kind of language is referring to really the end of the kind of norms-based international system where there's a respect for geographically defined boundaries of nation states and, and the states that have emerged and participated in you know, the United Nations and the European Union, for example, during that time. So when you talk about the kind of the largest kind of breach of that system since the Second World War, it's kind of referring to that of, you know, here is a nation state that has been invaded by another nation state uh, against the accepted norms and systems of the, the UN. What does this mean for Africa and specifically for South Africa? Because we are part of BRICS as well. Well, exactly. I think that there's three tiers of impact on South Africa and three kind of tiers of of where South African decision makers have to have to place the emphasis right now. And and the first of those is the immediate response, which is about South African citizens who were directly caught up in what's been going on. The ambassador on the ground there, Andre Grunwald, has been quite active in communicating their response. There are a number of South African students, for example, who were on the ground, uh, particularly in the medical sciences. So there's a number of, kind of doctors being trained in Ukraine. And so that's clearly a priority is making sure that the, the security and safety of South Africans that are caught up in this are, you know, that that is prioritized. And beyond that, he's also been talking about the fact that, you know, other African countries don't have diplomatic or consular presence on the ground. And so some of that is being done by the South Africans as well. And they're kind of taking a wider responsibility for other Africans who are caught up in what's been going on. So that's the immediate kind of the first tier. The second tier is then the kind of the midterm, you know, how does it affect South Africa in terms of kind of very practical or economic and, and that's where you see kind of high volatility in the markets. So you've seen oil and gas prices go up. Clearly, that's going to have an impact on global energy supplies and global inputs as well. So that's going to have an impact on kind of food prices globally. And you've also got the impact of you know when when these high risk events occur, that capital tends to migrate back to uh, secure locations and places that are uh, perhaps perceived as high risk, such as South Africa. You'll see with of capital from places like this, which is why you see a slight depreciation of the RAND as well. So there's going to be volatility there. And then food prices going forward because of things like, you know, in the mid to long term, Ukraine is a significant grain producer, for example. So, you know, there's that level of impact as well, which is, you know, the global economic impact of what's going on from which South Africa clearly isn't shielded. And then the top kind of high level geopolitical impact is exactly as you say, it's this question mark of things like, BRICS, you know, how does South Africa square its membership of BRICS with this issue that a, a member of that organization or that, that cluster 
has done something like this? And how does that relate to, say, you know, the African Union's position on non-interventionism? I think South Africa and other African countries have, you know, been widely respecting the speech that was given by the Kenyans at the UN this week, kind of forcefully saying, we in Africa are the product of colonialism and invasion and occupancy and we do not stand for it. And so the Kenyans were the first to come out and say that and now you've had a statement from South Africa perhaps a little bit softer but saying the the same things there's that and and I think that for a number of African countries and South Africa included as some of the kind of larger world powers have kind of adjusted for in a kind of changing international system where you know, since the Cold War you've had a period of kind of American uh, hegemony or kind of global multilateralism and you know multiple kind of sources of kind of dominant powers as as these things are shifting South Africa and other African countries have sought to balance some of these relationships but when something like this happens and it it creates yep. such a divide within you know again within the United Nations and within those kind of systems of of international governance and it's going to start forcing the hand of places like South Africa to really take a stand on some of these issues. And it's going to mean that South African leadership have to take a position. And, and you can start to see that already with the way in which Cyril Ramaphosa has been talking about, you know, engaging with the Russians and the uh, and the Americans. Uh, and as you say, and I'm sure as we'll, we'll discuss, you know, that then raises questions back in South Africa of, well, why are we getting involved when we've got so much at stake at home? People on social media, the, the trend seems to be, this is not our war. You know, we should get involved, which is quite interesting. And it's also, Durko seems to have escalated their response. It started off quite muted, and now they're urging the Russians to withdraw. But I think they're going for the angle of, we always negotiate. We are a country born from negotiations. Let's negotiate. So any role for South Africa in that, trying to do that? Yeah, look, you know, that refers to two things. I think number one is that, yes, South Africa had for a long time and it waned under Zuma, but, you know, certainly in the, in, in the late nineties and early two thousands, you know, the process that South Africa went through in kind of forging what happened in the kind of creation of the constitution, moved to um, democratic participation in 1994, the negotiations around that became part of South Africa's soft power of what it was trying to sell to the world as, you know, we are a nation born around human rights and negotiation and, and, and that was a key part of a, of their foreign policy objective. Obviously debates about uh, whether or not that ever actually really materialized and so Certainly under more recent regimes under Zuma, but also under Ramaphosa, kind of big questions around whether or not, you know, does that sit at odds with a more pragmatic kind of nation state self-interest view of foreign policy? There's that side of the kind of wanting to export that soft power angle of what of what South Africa sees its foreign policy as being. And then the other one, of course, is that South Africa does have some kind of traditional ambition on the global stage. Within yeah. the United Nations, there has long been this debate around, you know, the, the expansion of the, the P5, the permanent five members of the United Nations Security Council. There are non-permanent members, of course, of which Kenya is currently one. And South Africa has held that non-permanent position, I think, three times now. You know, there's that kind of ambition as well of, well, OK, this, you know, this isn't just about South Africa having a, a position on Ukraine specifically, 
But it is about, you know, South Africa wanting to represent the continent and continental ambitions on a whole range of global issues. And so when mm. something like this is the kind of center of global debate, it feels that it does need to have a position on it. Because if it doesn't have a position on an issue like this that is so dominant within those international debates right now and within the UN, then it's difficult to justify having a greater role on other issues. What is Putin's end game? Is he trying to resurrect the Soviet Union or is he just trying to get NATO out of Ukraine because he thinks it's right on his border? Is there a, something that would persuade him to end this? That is the, that's the golden question. And even, even reading from, uh, yeah, various Russia analysts, I don't think that there's a unified opinion of that. I know that we at Chatham House have got a collection of our Russia experts who are going to be doing an event on that specifically at some point this week. And so I'd advise people to go and watch that instead and, and hear those views. But I think that whatever his intention is, I think that um, it's not going to be one that South Africa can necessarily influence or, or impact. And yeah. so, you know, bringing it all the way back to um, to Ramaphosa and uh, Naledi Pandor and, and, and Durko and where South Africa sits in all of this, you know, it's that question of, you know, choose your alliances and, and position yourself, but there's not going to be a huge amount that they're going to be able to achieve. And certainly, you know, there's not a huge amount of domestic appetite here in South Africa for its leadership to be getting involved in kind of grand matters of global geopolitics right now. And, and, and that change of global thinking of, of how, how the country positions itself, you know, it's, it's going to have to answer questions that it didn't necessarily want to answer. So, yeah. so thank you so much, Chris Van Dom, a research fellow at Chatham House. 